My family lived in a rural part of Illinois when I was around 10. We moved in with my grandmother because she wasn't doing so well. She didn't live too far away from our own house, so usually my mom stayed with my grandma and my sister and I, with our stepdad Keith, would visit a few times a week and help out with cleaning and other chores. We were very close to my grandma, and she was the quintessential grandma too. She had a snack drawer from when we came over, and definitely spoiled us. We weren't close with our dad's side of the family, and our stepdad's parents had passed, so grandma was all we had. Her house was older, but it was still in pretty good shape. She had a bedroom on the first floor since she had trouble going up the stairs, and my mom slept in her childhood bedroom on the second floor. When my sister Martha and I stayed over, we'd take sleeping bags and sleep on the floor, and it was kind of like camping, but usually we were at home with Keith. I remember very specifically that we had spent the weekend at Grandma's house and had a movie night. By this time, Grandma was a little out of it and very tired, but she still liked to dote on Martha and I and tell us stories. A lot of them were superstitious. She talked about how she had a baby who died a few months after being born and how the baby was still in the house with her. This kind of weirded Martha and me out, but our mom acted like it was normal, so we never said anything. But those kind of stories were common. So when Sunday came, we said goodbye to Grandma and Keith picked us up to drive us a few miles back to our house. My mom was planning to stay until Monday morning when she had to go into work. She wanted to get some chores done at the house and make extra food for our grandma, who couldn't chew very well. Martha and I went home. We had dinner, we played outside for a while, and then we went to bed. Nothing seemed too off to us. The next morning, Keith told us in the kitchen that Mom had brought Grandma to the hospital because she wasn't doing well. I wasn't really sure how I felt about that because she'd been to the hospital a few times and always came home after. So it might not be serious, but at that age, when it's your first experience with someone being really sick, it can be confusing. We went to school, and when we got home, Keith picked us up and explained that he thought we should get flowers and some groceries from when Grandma came home. Mom had called him earlier and told him that they were planning on discharging her that afternoon. We stopped at the store quick, and then we went to Grandma's house. Mom was still at the hospital with her. So we let ourselves in and we set up the flowers and then just kind of hung out watching TV. Keith decided to clean up the yard a bit and left us in the house. It wasn't nighttime yet, but closer to evening for sure, maybe about five or six at night. Martha and I were starting to get hungry. To distract ourselves, we wandered around the house looking at Grandma's things, old pictures of our moms and aunts and uncles and stuff like that. On the first floor, we heard a noise that sounded like it came from our grandma's room. The door was open, but Martha said she was sure mom wasn't there yet. She had looked out the window upstairs, and the driveway was empty. I thought they might have arrived without us noticing, and I went to grandma's room to say hi to her. Martha followed me. When we got to the door, we looked in, and both saw grandma sitting in a rocking chair. She looked exactly the same as ever, but she didn't say anything to us. Instead, she was sort of staring off into the room. And then Martha and I heard a baby cry. It was very faint, but we both backed up into the living room and checked if each of us heard that. After listening for a minute, we didn't hear it again. Martha went to get Keith to tell him they were back, and I went to find Mom, thinking she was in the kitchen. But after checking the entire downstairs and running back upstairs, 
I didn't find her. Keith and Martha came inside within seconds. The house phone rang. It was one of those old school phones that hangs on the wall and has a really long cord. Keith picked it up and talked quietly for a little bit. When he hung up, he turned around and told us sadly that our grandmother had passed away at the hospital. They thought she had been doing better. It had actually been what they refer to as rallying. Kind of a last-ditch burst of energy before someone passes away. Mom had called the hospital to let us know. And when she didn't reach us at home, she tried Grandma's house. Martha and I looked at each other right away and told Keith we had seen Grandma in her room less than 10 minutes ago. He seemed skeptical. Keith wasn't a superstitious person, but he heard us out. When we were done explaining, he ducked into our room and checked and said no one was there. He then checked the rest of the house with us close behind, but we didn't see her again. Eventually, my mom came back from the hospital and we told her what happened too. Our theory as a family was that grandma passed away and her spirit came back to the house for a bit before moving on. The baby we heard must have been the baby that she lost and that she talked about sometimes. None of us ever saw anything in the house again, and mom had sold it a few years later. But I like to think that grandma was finally reunited with her baby and found some peace. Since then, I've had other experiences, but I'll save those for another day. When you believe in certain things, you tend to notice a lot more than other people around you do. Hi, Donovan. I've been listening to your channel for a while now. I really enjoy all the stories, and it makes me think about all the things that are happening around us that we don't know about or even understand. I haven't had much in the way of creepy or paranormal experiences in my lifetime, but my wife seems to be more in tune with the supernatural realm and has seen and felt many ghosts over the years. Anyhow, I do have one experience that still haunts me to this day, and I think about it every once in a while. It's in the early 1980s, and I'm in the 10th grade. I play in the concert band, and we're doing a performance at the school one evening in late fall. It all goes well, and I'm walking home by myself afterwards. I would say it's around 10 p.m. The town that I grew up in has a bunch of walking paths. It's dark out, but the paths are well lit and perfectly safe. I was not on high alert at all, just happily moseying my way home like any other day. I'm almost home, just one more gradual slope up a hill, over a bridge, turn right, and I'm there. I reach the beginning of the long uphill slope to the bridge, and I look up and I stop dead in my tracks with an eerie sense of dread. It takes a few seconds to process why. There is a man standing at the top of the hill, probably 50 yards away, just before where the bridge starts, and he's looking at me. It's not unusual to see people along this path. It's fairly well-traveled during the day, but it's night and there's no one else around, just me and this guy. Then I realize what made me stop so suddenly. I can only see his silhouette as the lights from the road behind him outline his shape, but he's standing there akimbo with hands on his hips, and he's wearing a top hat. So all of this takes about a second to process, and I realize I'm just standing there at the base of the hill looking up at him. I can sense something that only can be described as pure evil. I know he's looking right at me, and for a brief moment, I'm paralyzed. I can feel him looking at me. My rational brain takes over, and I'm able to step off the path and move behind some trees 
to block his view of me. I quickly go through my options, keep walking up the path, because obviously my mind is playing tricks on me. Either I saw something that wasn't there, or it's just some guy walking his dog, right? Okay, so I slowly peek out from behind the tree, and there he is, in the exact same spot, in the exact same stance, still looking directly at me, and still wearing that top hat. I could feel this pure sense of evil piercing through my core. Or I could do option two, run like hell. That's exactly what I did. To this day, I still regret running away. It bothers me that I'll never know exactly who or what was waiting for me at the top of the hill right before that bridge. Did it really happen? In my mind, absolutely. But I can't be sure. If it happened today, I would run up the hill towards him just so I could find out what it really was. If I ever see him again, I will. But it's been over 30 years, and still no sign of him. Thanks again for all the great work you do. I know your listeners appreciate it very much. I am excited to finally be submitting my story. I've been hesitant to write in because I'm certain that once I do, there are people around my community that will instantly recognize who I am. And of course, that's when the ribbing will begin. I've decided, though, that I'm ready to face the jokes and the mockery if it means adding my voice to the chorus that makes up the true believers of the Jersey Devil. As an animal control officer, I've dealt with my fair share of weird phone calls over the years. Nothing will ever top the call I received on August 2nd of 2017, though, because that's the day I came to believe firmly in the beast in question. That morning when I first got to work, I had a note on my desk from a girl who worked dispatch. She scribbled down an address and wrote simply, Blind Woman Big Bird. I recognized the address right off, and my mind was officially jogged by the reference to the blind woman. I'd been there a few weeks before, because she had a similar complaint. Since the first call, I started taking notice when I drove by her house, that the old woman spent a lot of time sitting out on her porch. I guess she liked the fresh air or the sounds of the outdoors. She had been sitting outside every time I had driven by since that first day. And that's where she was the first day I came by too. She had told me then that sometimes when she sits on her back porch, something very large flies close by the house and that the sound of its wings was very loud and had actually created enough wind to knock a book of braille poetry out of her hands. I didn't know that I believed the second part but I did know that certain species of birds of prey can be very large and sound even bigger than they really are. I searched the property after the first call, but found no sign of anything taking up residency and told her that more than likely it was a falcon or a hawk swooping down in her yard for a squirrel and she shouldn't be too concerned. Now, staring at the note, I figured she'd heard it again. You know how sometimes you just know something is about to turn into a bigger ordeal than you want to deal with. That's exactly how I felt in that moment. I had dealt with her once before, and she wasn't happy with my inability to fix the problem. I had no doubt in my mind that she was going to be equally upset when I came back out and had similar results. Still, it's my job, so I got my stuff together and drove to her house. When I got there, she wasn't sitting on her front porch, though, as she usually did. Instead, she was sitting inside the house, it was nearing dusk at the time, so I thought maybe she was just avoiding mosquitoes or getting ready to have dinner. She soon let me know that I was wrong, and she said, 
That thing swooped back down while I was out on the porch and knocked the book out of my hands again. I told her that sometimes large birds of prey will patrol certain areas, and that isn't uncommon to see one swoop the same place more than once. But nothing was living on her property as far as I could tell. It got my cat, she interrupted. I was stunned. But as sad as it was, there's nothing uncommon about a bird of prey swooping up a pet either. She pulled it off the porch, she said. Now that was something that I couldn't rationalize. As big and fearless as birds of prey are, they rarely risk interacting with people. If she had been sitting on that porch, there's no way one would have come up and grabbed the cat. I asked her to show me where she had been sitting, and that's when I walked into a gruesome sight. I was glad the old woman couldn't see the blood and the fur smeared and splayed across the porch, or the deep scratches in the wood from claws or whatever had grabbed it. I asked her, did this thing make a sound, have a smell, anything else you can tell me? I couldn't imagine what we might be dealing with after seeing this mess it left in its wake. It smelled like sulfur, she said, and it was hot. There was heat rolling off of it. It was then that I saw feathers. Three or four large black feathers stuck out from between the planks of the back porch. I reached down and grabbed them, pulling them free. Each was at least two feet long. There's not a bird in the area they could have fallen off of. The old woman asked me, It's that damn Jersey Devil, isn't it? I could have assured her to the best of my ability that it wasn't. I could have come up with some other excuse as to what it could have been and save her from the terror. But I couldn't lie to an old woman. I told her that the Jersey Devil was the only reasonable explanation and that I didn't think she should sit on our porch alone anymore. A few weeks later, a young man came into the station and asked to speak to me. He introduced himself as the old woman's grandson and said he had set up a ring camera on the back porch, hoping to catch a glimpse of whatever had been swooping back there. When he showed me the picture on his phone, there wasn't much mistaking what it was. A large black mass and two glowing eyes stared into the camera from the middle of the yard, as if it knew the camera was there watching it. I asked him to email it to me, but he never did. A few days later, the house had a for sale sign in the yard, and I never heard anything from those people again. I think I would have moved too. I really enjoyed listening to all the stories you post. I usually listen to them in the evenings when I have a fire going. I honestly never dreamed I would have a story to contribute, though. A few years ago, I jumped on the van life trend. I was between jobs, and I'd saved up enough money to be a free spirit for a while. I've always been adventurous and pictured myself traveling around the United States. I was finally able to buy a pop-top van, and then it felt like the whole world opened up to me. It took a while to get some repairs done on it and get everything I needed for an extended trip. But when I was ready, I started up in Washington State, and I kept going down the coast of Oregon and California. My dream was to follow the sun, so I would never really have to deal with winter temperatures. So when November came around, I had landed in Arizona. The sun felt so good. It was around 75 degrees out. I was used to freezing temperatures and snow by that time of year. I had never spent any time in Arizona, so I was really unfamiliar with the area. I was fascinated with the saguaro cactus, so I ended up going through the saguaro national park. The things were like 30 or 40 feet tall. I realized they were covered with these little spines, 
and some of them had an incredible number of arms. They really seemed unworldly. Then, someone mentioned Coronado National Forest, and I thought I would camp there for a while. National forests are typically free to camp in, and I was trying to save money. I was planning to be there for several days. I arrived on a weekend and found myself a spot that looked good. There were a few other campers close by, which made me feel pretty comfortable. It was fun for me to just putter around my campsite and get situated. When I was ready to look around the area, I found a good trail and I set out. I really loved the terrain. I had grown up in a completely different area, so this was all new to me. I grew up in Colorado, and I was used to the mountain life. This desert area was really enthralling to experience. It was a strange new land. After hiking a couple hours, I started to head back toward my campsite. Not long after I started walking back down the trail, something caught my eye in the middle of these trees. I could see this strange reptilian creature moving back and forth through the brush. I was so startled to see it. I just stared for a while, and then it turned its head and looked right at me with these piercing yellow eyes. I immediately started to walk at a fast pace toward my van. This creature was moving along as well, keeping its distance but still tracking me. This kept up for what seemed like 10 minutes, until I reached this clearing where I was parked. I got back to the campsite very shaken and nervous. All my years growing up in the mountains, I had never seen anything comparable to that. From what I could gather, it was very large, and it had stood up on its hind legs. It seemed to be about five feet tall when it was upright, and had these large black claws. It had a head like a lizard. The weird thing was, when it looked at me, it almost felt malicious. Obviously, I was a complete novice to the area and had no idea what lived there. But that did not seem right at all. I mean, surely I would have heard about a five-foot-tall lizard before. There would have to be some kind of information posted on that kind of a thing, right? The rest of the evening was very quiet and peaceful until around two in the morning when I heard what sounded like this strange mix of hissing and clicking. I had my windows open and it was loud enough to wake me up. I noticed a few other campers were outside looking. A couple of them came out and were milling around and talking as well. I went outside and I walked over to them. Someone said it was just some kind of insect or something. But that sound was not like anything else I've ever heard before. We listened for a while, but then the sound seemed to move away. I mentioned what I had seen earlier, and they looked at me like I was a little nuts. So it wasn't just me. The thing that I had seen wasn't anything anyone was familiar with. We eventually all went back to our RVs. I tried to sleep, but felt very uneasy. The next morning, I woke up around 8 a.m. When I stepped out of the van, a woman came to me and asked if I had heard these weird noises. I said that I did, and I had no idea what it was. The woman who was camping nearby, said she heard of a few sightings of a lizard man recently. I have never heard of such thing, and if anyone had mentioned it before, I wouldn't have believed it at all. Well, after that, I just wanted to leave as soon as possible. Now, I'm not sure what to think. I decided that I would go ahead and head further east and try my luck in New Mexico. I tried to find information on this lizard man, but there isn't really much to go on. I thought you might want to get the word out there and see if any of your listeners have any ideas what this could have been.
Let me know what you think about these stories in the comments below. Also, make sure to check out dreadsarmy.com, where you'll find all of my stories and multiple strange and weird news posted every single day. If you want to be part of the discussion, check out the forums on Dreads Army. We also have a Facebook group so you don't miss out on any updates. Thanks and take care.